We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Mike McGlinchey of the San Francisco 49ers, and you're listening to the Candlestick Chronicle. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, again, as always, is Kyle Matson of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group. It is Monday. The Combine is over. Kyle, what was your, uh, what was your Combine experience over the weekend? I read a lot about it on the internet. <laughs> um, I wrote the- a lot about it, too. Yeah, I wrote I wrote quite a bit about it, and then I, I watched the because I found when when I watch the combine, I wind up seeing a bunch of players that uh, I don't really need to watch. So I just tracked down yeah. the info I needed from you know performances that might have jumped out from players I hadn't really heard of or studied. So right, right. So since our last episode that we recorded late last week, obviously the edge defenders tested uh, that happened Sunday. There's a lot of notable a lot of notable developments. Uh, coming from that, um, DK Metcalf, the receiver, uh, is not from this planet. We're going to dig into that a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about whether or not the 49ers should uh, possibly trade for Odell Beckham Jr. or draft Nick Bosa if available. That's going to be the, the main topic of, of this podcast because there's a scenario played out, which we mentioned in last week's podcast, which was written about a little bit over the weekend uh, by our friend Tim Kawakami of The Athletic and has been mentioned elsewhere, um, you know, that if the Niners trade down, particularly with the Giants, if they want to take a quarterback at number two, uh, that trade could include Odell Beckham Jr., who's reportedly on the trading block. We'll see. I don't enti- entirely buy that, but we're going we're gonna to get to that later in the pod. We're going to start with just these measurements and, and testing numbers from, from some notable prospects. DK Metcalf just really like blew the the entire thing up, right? The guy who 
apparently had 1.6% body fat, 6'3", 228 pounds. He's got crazy long arms, uh, big hands. He ran a 4.33 at 228 pounds, which is just absurd. Uh, He jumped 40 inches in the vertical, 11 feet, 2 inches in the broad jump. Just a totally insane athlete. If you built if you built a receiver in a lab, I think you come out with DK Metcalf. Mostly, right? Mostly. Yeah. So that's the point I want to make. A lot of people saw those numbers, and obviously the 49ers have a need at receiver, and just assume, oh, now he's, you know, the 49ers should really consider Metcalf at number two because he ran what he ran and all that. Um, I do not think Metcalf is a fit for the 49ers for a couple different reasons. First, mainly, I mean, the three-cone drill and the 20-yard shuttle, his 7.38 seconds time in the three-cone drill was in the second percentile, which is just brutal. Like, that's uh, – Kyle Shanahan always talks about it, and we've mentioned it before. He wants guys who can run routes and separate from man coverage. The three-cone drill is really important towards determining that, and the 20-yard shuttle, which was 4.5 seconds, was in the third percentile. So what we know about DK Metcalf is he can run straight. Uh, what we also know is that he doesn't change directions very well. And I just don't see that as allowing him to fit in Kyle Shanahan's offense because guys have such diverse route trees. Uh, he wants his receivers to be versatile. And I think Metcalf is going to be better off going to a team where he has to run a very limited route tree and is mostly just used as, as a deep threat. And particularly with the 49ers, other needs and the way their roster is constructed. I just don't see them going with Metcalf in the first round. Maybe if they trade back to the middle of the round uh, and he's the best player on their board, I I just don't see it really as a possibility. But regardless, I mean, his combine performance was ridiculous. And I just think that, I mean, he has to go to the right team uh, and have a very specific role to be successful, in my opinion. And I just don't see that being with the 49ers. Yeah, I don't either. There's There was, like you said, there immediately... I think it was was it Ian Kenyon from NFL Network or is he with NFL Network? Who's he with? Who's Ian Kenyon with? CBS Sport. I'm not sure. Whoever Ian Kenyon is with, he immediately reposted a tweet that he had sent out. Uh, he's a Bleacher Report. He immediately Bleacher. reposted a tweet that was like, "Why is nobody mocking uh, DK Metcalf to the Niners at number two? And it's for all the reasons that that you kind of just said. They have bigger needs and. When people were breaking down tape, because I saw a lot of people diving in and going, well, actually, he can move because look at all these times he got open. But it seemed like every time he got open, it was because the corner was playing him one-on-one and just playing way off. And all Metcalf had to do was stop and turn around, and he was open, which doesn't happen in the NFL. It's not that easy. So I I think there will be legitimate concerns there. I, I, I just... I don't know. I have I have my questions about DK Metcalf, including uh, whether he's even the best receiver on that Ole Miss team. So, right, it could it very well could be AJ Brown, particularly relating to his fit with the right. 49ers and Kyle Shanahan's offense. One thing that that has to be noted with regarding any combine testing numbers, uh, these numbers more or less confirm what teams see on tape. Teams right. have all of this data coming into the combine, and this. Uh, the, these combine numbers are just context that teams use to sort of solidify how they feel about this prospect. If there's somebody who tests 
uh, with numbers that don't match up to what they see on tape, then they go back and reevaluate and try to figure out what they got wrong. Right. Um, If a guy, you know, if a guy tests much faster, like the the Niners already have an opinion of Metcalf. Uh, They already knew he was big and fast. Exactly. They already knew that. Like the, the, no one in the NFL is like super surprised that Metcalf did what he did. Um, the, the, what's more important to the 49ers is how a player like that performs on tape, because ultimately this is about football and, uh, and not, not track, track athlete events. Right. Correct. Cause you know, football is not track Kyle. Whoa. You, wow. You knew that, right? Okay. No. News to um, let's talk about <laughs> it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's break it down. Okay. So, so Metcalf obviously had a really wild combine and, and it's, it, I mean, I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens to him at the next level. Uh, but I think we, we should talk about the pass rushers because, I mean, there are a lot of guys who are expected to go in the first round. Um, a lot of guys, the 49ers, are going to consider. They've met with a bunch of them. I think all of them, really. Uh, the guys expected to go in the first round. They've met with Joe, with Nick Bosa. I almost did it. I almost called him Joey. I'm uh, so proud of you. <laughs> thank you very much. So Bosa, some people in my mentions said Bosa didn't look good at the combine. I I tend to disagree significantly. I, I mean, he's, he ran a four, eight, four, four, seven, nine official was his fastest time. His second time, a 1.6, 10 yard split, which is more than adequate for a defensive end. That's a really good number. Uh, he did 29 reps in the bench press, which is definitely fine. 33.5 in the vertical jump is fine. Uh, 33 in charms, maybe a little on the short side, but I mean, his, the thing is, is, with length, you need to have leverage, right? Your length is no good if you can't develop any leverage. And Nick Bosa probably generates leverage and creates leverage for himself better than any other defensive end in right. this draft. Um, so I think in terms of Bosa's combine and everything that he did and how he measured, I think it very much matched up with the tape. I don't think there's anything coming out of Bosa's combine and, and you watch his drills and he's just he has really good balance. You could tell he has really a really strong base, a really strong core. And just the way he moves, it just seems like he's going to be impossible to, to just move off the line of scrimmage in a way that you would some of these lighter, taller guys. Yep. Um, so, I mean, in my opinion, I think Bosa proved sort of the prospect or the physical prospect he is with, with all the time, all the times and measurements that he had. Uh, but I think we got to talk about Brian Burns and obviously Montez Sweat. Sweat, I I mean, I I don't know if there's really anything to say about his 40 time. That 4.40, 4.41 is just completely insane for somebody who's 6'5 and a half. Yeah. And, or 6'5 and three quarters and 260 pounds with 35 inch arms, 10 and a half inch hands. Just a, a, a really incredible time. What he didn't do or at least I'm not seeing the 20 yard shuttle, uh, four, four, two, nine in the 20 yard shuttle. You have a, th- you have a three cone on him. Uh, seven seconds flat, seven seconds flat. So 80, seven's good. 80, That's 83rd percentile for three cones, 77 for his 20 yard. So sweat really tested probably better than his production was at Mississippi state. Um, and he's somebody, the 49ers are probably going to take a hard look at, uh, particularly if they trade back, which we're going to talk a little bit about it at, Later in this podcast, same for Burns. I mean, Burns, 6'4". The big thing for him was he weighed in at 249 pounds after playing in the 230s this last year. Uh, 33 and 7-8-inch arms, long enough arms, 10-inch hands, definitely big enough. Uh, 4.56 
in the 40 yard dash, which is also crazy. 7.01 in the three cone. Uh, really, really solid. Didn't participate in the bench press, which uh, is telling you would, I mean, I would imagine he's not where he wants to be yet in terms of strength. And we talked about in last week's pod how John Lynch wants powerful defensive ends. And and the main question about Brian Burns is his ability to convert speed to power. But athletically, and I, I think the same question goes for Sweat, but athletically, both of these guys really tested like potential top 10 players. And, mm-hmm. and we don't know that these testing numbers are going to translate, but we do know a lot of star pass rushers put up numbers like this. Yep. So... I think from the 49ers standpoint, I mean, obviously it's, it's, I think we both agree that, that Nick Bosa would be the best pick for the 49ers at number two, Mm -hmm. but the fact that Burns and Sweat tested like they did, I think they come out of the combine feeling better about a trade back scenario if they were to get the right package, knowing that those guys would be there. And so I I just think that was another good development so far. I mean, it seems like there's it's just been a lot of good developments in terms of the way this draft class is is shaking out for the 49ers. Well, but it goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. What the combine typically does is just kind of confirm what we already know. And we knew this was going to be a really good edge class. And and they they exercised very well at the combine. The thing that stands out the most to me, one of our big questions going in was was Brian Burns and, and his weight. And he weighed in at 249 on measurement day. And the big question then became, okay, well, is he still going to be able to move? Because that's 18 pounds heavier than he was listed in the Florida State Media Guide last year. And the the concern was, okay, is he going to be able to move at 250, 249? And he did. He went out and, and did really well in his, in his 40 and in his vertical and his broad jump and his three cone. So he can still move fine. He added the weight, but the lack of a bench press is concerning, especially for the 49ers where we talked about this a little bit in our last podcast, but the need for power from that edge spot. And if they don't think Brian Burns can bring that, that's going to be an issue. Right. And and one edge guy that we also need to talk about is Ja'Kai Polite. Um, Somebody who also seemed like a first round draft pick and just probably had, uh, I mean, one of the worst combines, I think, of, of any of the first-round prospects, really. Uh, in his interviews, he said the 49ers and the Packers bashed him. Um, and, you know, asking him about maturity issues and character and things like that, um, it just doesn't seem like he really endeared him. But talking about this stuff publicly is not going to endear you to a NFL team, particularly when these questions exist in the first place. So I'm I'm curious to see uh, where he ends up. Maybe you know the 49ers like his tape enough, and they figure uh, they can deal with some of the off the field stuff or character issues or what have you uh, more appropriately. Or they could, I mean, it's more palatable, I should say, if they take him in the second round, or even if he falls later than that to help the pass rush, because we know you know it, they're gonna they're probably gonna add more than one pass rusher this offseason, whether that's adding one in free agency or the draft. Uh, so polite talking to reporters and saying the Packers and, and the 49ers bashed him uh, was really, I mean, it's just strange, a strange decision on his end. And he didn't participate in the drills outside of the 40 because of injuries. So I have to think, I didn't, you know, I don't know with 100% certainty that the 49ers are going to remove him from their draft board or anything like that. But I have to think he's out of the equation, at least in round one. 
Yeah, the the whole like deal about he the Rams were his favorite team because they didn't bash him. That's such a that's such a strange that's such a strange thing. And I, I, I think that teams probably knew um check that. Let me let me back that up. Teams may have known something about Polite's character or his personality where they wanted to test that by railing on him in a meeting. And then he comes out and and says afterwards, like, well, hey, I didn't like meeting with these teams because they were mean. Like that's 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 not great. Like that, right. that's not, not a that's not, not a awesome, good impression to leave. Not an awesome way if, to sell yourself. Right. And even if that happened to you and you feel a certain way about it, the last thing you should do is mention it to reporters yes. at the combine. Yes. Like just not good decision making. So um yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna see Jakai Polite in red and gold this this fall, at least I would be surprised. Uh, Devin White, linebacker from LSU, ran a 40-yard dash in 4.42 seconds, which is the fastest 40 for a linebacker uh, in combine or at the combine. One of the fastest times in, in combine history, I think. Uh, 39.5-inch vertical, 22 reps on the bench press, 4.17 in the short shuttle. Um, kind of a, I know we talk a lot about edge guys, but kind of a sleeper prospect if the 49ers decide to trade back, uh, because there's a very real possibility that, I mean, he ends up being, you know, one of the better inside linebackers in football, I would guess. Um, and considering the 49ers need for a linebacker, I don't think we can completely rule it out. Uh, it is unlikely just given how badly they need to upgrade the pass rush, but it wouldn't be entirely surprising that. Uh, if they didn't go that route and maybe, you know, if they ended up getting guys in free agency or what have you and moving back, uh, maybe Devin White is is the pick in the first round. Moving back uh, maybe towards, you know, the 8 to 12 range, something like that, uh, because they just they really need a linebacker to play next to Fred Warner. And after moving on from Ruben Foster, White seems like a, a really solid decision or a solid possibility, I guess. And again, more of the same with just confirming what the tape showed white looks really super athletic and uh, smart sideline to sideline type of player. And then all of his numbers check out on that. And, and he fits the, I think he's in the, what is he here? The ninth percentile in height and 36th in weight, but that's kind of what the NFL is adapting to linebacker wise you have to be able to keep up with running backs and cover receivers and white seems to have all the physical tools to do that absolutely and that those are those you know covering covering pass catchers and in, in the passing game is obviously the most important thing for linebackers in the nfl right now and i think white given his speed would be an excellent you know will linebacker playing next to fred warner uh, allowing Warner to sort of play downhill and allow White to to come in from the backside and and do things like that. Um, I, I I don't it like if the Niners don't go pass rusher with their with their pick in the first round. I think linebacker would probably be maybe him or Devin Bush, who also had a really good combine. Uh, Devin Bush from Michigan, five eleven two thirty four. He ran a four four three, which isn't slow either. And he jumped 40 and a half inches in the vertical at 234 pounds. That's crazy. His three cone, 6.93, really good. Um, You know, maybe it's a scenario where I think if they don't go past rusher, my, my guess would be they go inside linebacker there. Do you know, do you know what one of Devin Bush's comparisons is on mock draftable? 
I'm on mock draftable. Is it uh, Devin White? Uh, well, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, who are you? Named Bobby Wagner. He's pretty good, FYI. Bobby Wagner's good. Utah State's Bobby Wagner. Yeah, not as big of a school as Michigan. It turns out. No, less heralded football program. A, I would guess there's a 100 percent chance that in writing about Devin White and Devin Bush, which I'll certainly do over the next uh, couple months, uh-huh. I will mix them up. Yeah, two Devons. Two Devons who are effectively the Fast. same player. <laughs> right. Right. Cool. Like cool. Awesome. Yeah, projected to go in the first round. Or both purple run. And gold, blue fast. and gold for their school colors. Like it's just Right. Uh, right. Right. Well, I can relate given that I haven't quite gotten Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa fully <laughs> ingrained in my head yet. Um but yeah, so I mean, it's been a busy day. Let's move on a little bit. It's been a busy day on Twitter. Uh, a lot of news coming in the day before the deadline to give out the franchise tag. So uh, not really any surprises in terms of guys that have been given the tag already. The Seahawks gave it to Frank Clark, pass rusher. Jadavian Clowney by the Texans, he got it. Demarcus Lawrence, he got it, even though he vowed not to sign it. That could be an ugly standoff because he wants a long-term deal. Uh Justin Houston, Kansas City Chiefs pass rusher, has been released. Uh, he turned 30 this offseason, but he had nine sacks in 12 games last year. Kind of an interesting name to throw out there because of where he's at in his career. I don't know that you're going to have to break the bank for him like you would uh, maybe you know these other guys in their prime who are getting the tag. Uh, I, Brandon Graham, I, I think this happened since we last recorded, signed with the Eagles for three years and $40 million. Yeah. Uh, that's that's just over 13 million per year. And I think that type of deal is something the 49ers could potentially give out to a free agent pass rusher. And I wonder if Justin Houston would maybe be in that range, uh, just given how productive he's been. Uh, it would make a ton of sense to to bookend the defensive line with with a pass rusher like Houston or one of the other guys uh, who are likely going to be available. Uh, Matt Barrows. Friend of the friend of the pod. Of the pod. Uh, he mentioned he in a tweet he listed off a bunch of guys, a bunch of pass rushers who aren't going to get the franchise tag, and it's a strong list: Ziggy Ansah of the Lions, Anthony Barr, uh, Shaq Barrett, Dante Fowler, Marcus Golden, Shane Ray, and Preston Smith. Uh, those are all guys that are that are going to get paid a, a pretty significant amount on their new teams if they don't return to their to their incumbent teams, but. Um, I think it's going to vary. I think maybe somebody like Shaq Barrett you could get for you know eight to ten million a year. Ziggy Ans is probably going to get more than that. I think Anthony Barr might end up being the most expensive, or Preston Smith. Um, either way, the 49ers are going to have sixty-five million in cap space, no matter what they do in the draft. I think potentially you know adding one of these other pass rushers would make a lot of sense because if it is Nick Bosa at number two, um, and then you have you know. Bar on the other side who can also play Sam linebackers or Preston Smith or someone like that with DeForest Buckner in the middle and Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead, what have you, the Niners could be in really good shape. So I'd imagine they're going to be aggressive with that. Obviously, there's Earl Thomas. And you start looking at the possibilities in free agency. Um, I think there's a chance for the 49ers defense to take some significant steps. Yeah. But we're going to have to see if they're able to land any of these guys. Another uh, one. Hey, hey, uh, real, real, quick, real quick before we move on there. Uh, Brooke Pryor from the Kansas City Star. Uh, a McGlatchy, uh, a McGlatchy newspaper, just like the Sackby. Yes. 
She said the Chiefs have not released Justin Houston, and they're still gauging interest from other teams. However, it looks like they're they're heading that way if they don't find a trade partner. I mean, uh, after the report comes out that he's going to get released, there's not a ton of leverage that the Chiefs would have in a trade if they're trying to walk that back at this point. I just Um, wanted to touch bases just in case something weird happened. Right. Uh, Another report, and I apologize to the person who had it first. Uh, The Ravens are not going to give CJ Mosley the franchise tag. Uh, Inside linebacker, really, really good player. Might not have the same speed. You might want uh, ideally in a linebacker for for the modern NFL, but if he were to be your Mike linebacker, I think Fred Warner could certainly play Will if Mosley was added. Um, just a really good player to have in the middle of a defense, and maybe somebody the 49ers consider. We talked about him in the in one of our free agency pods. Uh, I think would be a really smart addition at you know at his price. I don't I don't think he would be too expensive given the limitations with his speed. Um, and I think just a veteran presence who's played in a bunch of big games, who's played against uh, a lot of good offenses in the, in the AFC North throughout his career. I just think CJ Mosley would be a, a really interesting free agent for the 49ers to consider. Yeah. I think he would be one of those like ideal free agent targets. If they, if they don't wind up with, with an Earl Thomas type player, I think if you can go get CJ Mosley, because the Ravens aren't, it's not ruled out that the Ravens will re-sign him. They're just not franchising him. But if the 49ers can can figure out a way to to come over the top and, and lure him to Santa Clara, that would be a, a significant upgrade for their defense. And it would eliminate, I think, a need in the draft and would allow them to address some other things, uh, which would which would be helpful considering how many holes they still have. Yeah, and that's probably the biggest difference with this offseason and, and previous ones. The Niners, the first two years, under Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch drafted 19 players. Uh, this year, they only have six picks, and they still have a bunch of cap space, which they've been rolling over the last couple of years. So it would make sense if they really want to be aggressive in getting back to the playoffs this year for them to be players in free agency and, and maybe um, overspend for guys like Earl Thomas or C.J. Mosley or, or one of these pass rushers. Um but let's take a quick break before we get to our uh, Nick Bosa and Odell Beckham Jr. discussion. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com, getethos.com. All right, so let's get to the main discussion that we wanted to have on this podcast. Uh, something we addressed last week a little bit, the Odell Beckham rumors. Um, first of all, I think we, we should point out Beckham signed his five-year contract extension with the Giants last summer after Dave Gettleman uh, became the GM. So it, it's not like this contract is a holdover contract. This is something the new regime agreed agreed upon with Beckham. So 
Um, if the Giants were to trade him, it, they would incur $16 million in, in dead cap space. They would save $5 million uh, in cap dollars. They have $27 million in cap space, so they're a little bit strapped. And considering all the needs they have on the roster, I don't know how much sense it would make to trade Beckham. But I think, you know, obviously, Jay Glazer, who was first to say that he thinks or the first to predict that Beckham would get traded this offseason, I think he his word carries a lot of weight uh, around the league. And I think one of the reasons why those rumors are being taken so seriously is just because of his track record and, and his credibility. Um, so the point of this conversation is to is to really weigh whether or not, you know, it's the, the decision could come down most likely it would come down to trading for Odell Beckham Jr., which would mean moving on from the number two pick or keeping that number two pick where it looks like it's likely to be Nick Bosa, the defensive end from Ohio State. Um, and, you know, there isn't really a scenario that's that that's likely where the 49ers could get both. So it's a really interesting discussion that we're going to have Odell Beckham or Nick Bosa. But instead of saying, you know, which which direction we think we should go, because no one really knows, no one could could credibly say, oh, the 49ers should absolutely go this way or absolutely go this way, uh, because no one knows there are so many variables at work and no one can predict the future. So instead, we're going to give a, uh, a, a percentage, a probability percentage, maybe a confidence percentage that either scenario would work out. In other words, so if if the Niners were to get Odell Beckham Jr., move on from Nick Bosa, what is the likelihood or your confidence level that they would uh, be in the mix You know, for winning 10 games? Odell Beckham Jr. would be one of the top, you know, three or four players at his position versus what are the, how, what's your confidence level that Nick Bosa would be one of the two or three best players at his position and the 49ers would be in the mix to win 10 or so games. So Kyle, I'm, I'm going to give you the floor to, to start us out. If the Niners were to move on or trade back from the number two pick and somehow land Odell Beckham Jr., uh, what is your confidence level that Beckham would a maintain his level and be a really really good receiver and have that lead to the 49ers be in the mix for division crown say winning at least 10 games and and sort of being in that fold throughout next season man that's hmm like you've given me a day to think about this and I'm still I'm still uncertain I just I think <laughs> what's well, an interesting conversation yeah no it is and I think the the tough thing for me here is I think the 49ers can get there I think they'll get there just by being healthy and and with a couple of free agent okay. additions. So I think I mean it's probably about the same for both. I if if they if they trade back to are we are we Okay, a few So uh, let's say so let's say it's a, it's the Giants move up from 6 to 2 and the deal includes Beckham so the Giants can get a quarterback the Niners, or the Niners get Bosa if they want him if he's available. Yeah, and the, and the Niners end up with someone like Brian Burns or Montez Sweat or Devin White okay. uh, at six. I would put their chances to win 10 and be in the mix for a division title at like 55%. Just, yeah, with, with Beckham. Beckham and then and then a lot of a lot of this has to do like with free agency too, but uh, just with their roster as it's currently constructed – there, there are just there are so many flaws, but I think Beckham helps them a lot on offense for sure. And I think whoever they draft, 
on the edge at number six would would instantly become their best pass rusher. So I'd, I'd put it at like 55. There's still some flaws, and, and the Rams are, are still good, and the Seahawks showed that, that they're still going to be around. But I, I think the like 55%, I'd feel pretty good about the Niners if, if they did that. Yeah, so so obviously Beckham is a is an incredible receiver. On any given year, he could be the best receiver at his position or best receiver in the league. Um, but I don't know that Odell Beckham turns the 49ers into a contender like making massive improvements on the defensive side would. So you remember, and I know this is a small sample size, uh, but those five games that Jimmy Garoppolo started to end 2017, right? They were top five in just about every single offensive category uh, without really elite skill position players. Uh, the 49ers had, you know, Marquise Goodwin was playing really well with Garoppolo. George Kittle had yet to really assert himself as, as an elite tight end. Kendrick Bourne was playing really well as an undrafted rookie. And the 49ers were averaging 29 points a game. Uh, and they were first in, in passing yards per attempt, averaging 8.44 during those five games. So... I think just, you know, philosophically, when you look at Kyle Shanahan, I think the 49ers would be better off investing premium resources on the defensive side and allow Shanahan to use less premium resources to to build out his offense uh, because the Niners have proven to be productive without elite talent on the outside. And, and let's face it, the Giants in Odell Beckham's uh, since 2014 in one in what five seasons they've been over 500 once and you know I know it's uh, obviously it's not a blanket statement I'm not trying to say that the Giants can't be a contender because of Odell Beckham or they're not a winning team because of Odell Beckham I just don't know that he trans he would transform the 49ers into something that ultimately they want to get to right right I think you look at you you look at the real the contending teams throughout the NFL and a lot has been made. Obviously, it's a it's an offensive league, um, but the teams that contend outside of maybe the Patriots, who even have some elite guys on defense too, like Trey Flowers and Stephon Gilmore, like the teams that win the Super Bowl have dudes on defense, like really good elite players. And if you want to contend and win games in January, I think you need two or three of those elite defensive guys. And I think that has to be the goal for the 49ers is to get to that level where you're in the mix every year for a championship or at least contending for the NFC West, and you're going to go against a ton of good offenses in the process. And I think you the, the priority should be to invest all that premium capital on defensive talent. So I would say, you know, I, I don't think... Um, I don't think it would be a bad idea to add Beckham, particularly like if they really love... Brian Burns, for example, and they think they can get him at six and they can acquire Beckham and get Burns. Um, I don't think that would necessarily be a bad sure. deal, but I do, but I do think that the ceiling over the next, you know, five to six years wouldn't be as high as getting somebody like Bosa, who I think has a, has the best chance at becoming a defensive player of the year candidate at some point in his career. And I think getting a possible defensive player of the year candidate should trump getting a receiver who you're, who you're going to have to give a lot of money to when ultimately you have a head coach who has proven throughout his nine years as a coordinator and even the last two years with the 49ers that the offense can be good enough uh, to get you where you want to go. Really, the Niners defense, in my mind, is the issue. Um, so for me, if I were to put a, a confidence 
uh, probability on it on Beckham, you know, really elevating the 49ers and helping them get to 10 wins and, and in the mix for for the NFC West title this season. I would probably put it closer to like 35 or 40 percent because I don't know that he transforms the 49ers in a way that that really is different from what we've already seen. I think they they're going to have a you know assuming health right like if they get 16 games out of Jimmy Garoppolo sure and you know 14 games from Jarek McKinnon um, and they add to the receiving core and George Kittle uh, continues to play well and Marquise Goodwin's healthy these are obviously a lot of ifs mm-hmm. but I think the Niners can be at a point where they score 25 to 28 points a game which should be enough to get them in that mix. And if they improve the defense significantly, like with Earl Thomas, with Nick Bosa, with CJ Mosley or Jordan Hicks or somebody else, sure. I think there's a better chance that they're actual contenders rather than just improving the offense and, and leaving everybody waiting for them to, to make the significant additions they need on defense. Yeah, and there's, there's a, uh, an impact factor to weigh too. Uh, the impact a pass rusher has, Kyle Shanahan compared it to the impact a quarterback has like that's that's where they're valuing that position versus wide receiver where Kyle Shanahan has made a career out of getting 800 plus yards out of a bunch of guys you never heard of but on the other hand there were several times last year where you watch the 49ers offense and regardless of who was under center it was like man they could really use a number one go-to wide receiver and Odell Beckham Jr. is just so good at all the things that Kyle Shanahan wants a wide receiver to be good at. And you think of what he's done in the in in the Giants offense with an aging Eli Manning, who it's debatable if he was ever good to begin with. Uh, you put him in a in a system in Kyle Shanahan system with Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's like, man, what's the ceiling for this guy? And if they're doing that, if they're making that trade and they're adding Odell Beckham, you have to factor in as well. What if What if they do that and Brian Burns is 80% the player Nick Bosa is plus a free agent? Let's say they go get Justin Houston and then you're you're adding in Brian Burns who can can play kind of like an Alden Smith role in his Mm -hmm. first year where Justin Houston's getting a bulk of the snaps. But on passing downs, Burns comes in and and uh, rushes the passer. I think then you're looking at an edge rush situation that is much improved. Plus you're adding an elite weapon, a top five receiver uh, Mm -hmm. on the outside. That's, that's a situation where, like I said, a lot of it, I I agree with everything you said, but if you're adding an edge rusher or a defensive player at six, who's going to come in and make an impact. That's, I I don't think they're going to get a receiver in this draft. Who's going to be as good as Odell Beckham. That's my hot take. Right. So I think that's a, I think that's a smart take. Thank you. Um, I I think ultimately the decision will come down to what the 49ers think. I mean, if this situation is actually presenting itself, which we can't say with hundred percent certainty, but the decision comes down to what the 49ers think the gap is between Bosa and someone like Burns or Sweat or, or whoever else. Um, Because I mean, I'm of the mind that Bosa is is clearly better than than these other guys, and and I think you know, hearing John Lynch talk about power and uh, the 49ers' new profile of defensive ends at the combine this this last week really sort of cemented the idea in my head that Bosa is going to be the guy that they target. Um, And maybe that's not entirely true. We never we won't really know until the draft actually shakes out. Uh, But 
ultimately for me, it's like the, the best way to build out this roster, I think, is to is to get Bosa, somebody who you're going to have under control for the next five years, and then be able to invest that money in some elite defensive players. Uh, you know, the Seahawks had guys at every single level of the defense, really good players. And you really need, because it's such a basic scheme and, and it's not necessarily about confusing the opponent, it's just playing sound football. I think the scheme the 49ers run lends itself to needing elite talent. Um, and yeah. so, you know, and I think the best way to, to bother opponents passing game, some people, there's this growing sort of rift and I, and I think people make good cases on both sides of it, but people would argue it's more important to have good coverage players than good pass rushers. And I don't think I agree with I, that. I disagree with that. Yeah. I don't think I agree with it just because oh, you can talk about the short passing game and everything like that, but like the biggest plays in football games are generally, you know, third and long and on third and long, if you can generate pressure, um, then it, it sort of downplays the importance of what you have on the back end. That's not to say you don't need good players in the secondary, but I, I mean, the point is uh, the point I guess I'm trying to make is, is, I'm of the mind that Bosa is more likely to be an elite, elite player than, and you have to play the percentages, right? Like ultimately this is a, this is a decision that you make about probability, what you feel best about because nobody can deal in absolutes because, you know, Brian Burns could be a great player. Uh, Montez Sweat could be a great player. Nick Bosa looks like he's going to be a great player, but you know, what are the chances that, that one of these guys are, are just average? Um, and if you if you make this trade and then you get Odell Beckham Jr. and the offense is still good, um, but not enough to overcome a lackluster defense, then then really, where are you uh, aside from toiling in mediocrity stuck with a high paid receiver who may or may not get disgruntled because you're not winning games like you thought you would be? I think another thing to consider, especially with Kyle Shanahan, is his Super Bowl experience involved uh, blowing a 28 to three lead where I, I'm certain they they would have liked having a defense that could have gotten a one stop in that in that's right. No question. No question. And even so going through it, like the Eagles when they beat the Patriots, uh they had Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Michael Kendricks. Uh they they just have so many Malcolm Jenkins, so many good players on defense. That game effectively ended because of of Brandon Graham's strip sack. Like it Absolutely. literally came down to an edge rusher. Absolutely. The Ravens, uh, when they beat the 49ers, they had all sorts of dudes on defense. Mm -hmm. Um, The Giants, they beat the Patriots those two years in the Super Bowl because they had arguably the best pass rush in football. Um, I just think beating the Panthers, the Broncos beating the Panthers solely, not solely, but I mean, the defense was incredible. They had lots of dudes and obviously they had the Super Bowl MVP and Von Miller who had a huge game. Um, They had Malik Jackson, who was really good. Uh, I just think, you know, that there's. A, a lot of people look at the NFL and say it's a passing league. You do what you can to bolster your offense because that's the best way to compete. And I don't disagree with that. But if you want to win the Super Bowl, history tells us year after year that you either need to have Bill Belichick or a bunch of elite defensive players uh, to to put yourself in position to win in January because you're going to have to face some of these really good offenses, maybe even on the road, maybe even in a dome You know, during the Super Bowl. You're going to need elite defensive players. And I just, you know, as good as Odell Beckham Jr. is and as good as he would be in Kyle Shanahan's offense, like I said, I'm just not entirely sure it transforms the 49ers into that type of team, whereas somebody like Nick Bosa, 
if he turns into one of the games, you know, top three or four or five, you know, if he's Khalil Mack or, uh, or Von Miller or, you know, even like his brother, Joey, I think that's a better scenario. And I would put the 49ers, you know, my, my confidence percentage or my probability percentage in them feeling good about the pick and, and not getting Odell Beckham Jr. and having Bosa sort of lead the defense into a situation where they're contending uh, for an NFC West crown and in the mix for 10 games or, you know, winning 10 games over the next, you know, four or five years, I would feel more confident. I would put it at like 60 to 70%. Whereas with Beckham, I think I'm at like 35, 40%. Um, just because, I mean, I'm, I'm just a firm believer that that you need guys on defense if you really want to win in this league year in and year out yep. because there's it, there's variation in in offense um and I just don't know that that the 49ers would be in a spot where they could contend every season for a division title against the Rams without having those elite dudes on defense when, when, and you have to factor in you're going to pay Odell Beckham Jr. an average of of I think 18 and a half million yeah. over the remaining 4 years or 5 years of his contract uh, which is going to factor into what you give to Forrest Buckner down the road. Um, so it's there's also a financial aspect of it too. Here's what it comes down to for me. It's it's really, really as simple as this. When watching the 49ers offense under Kyle Shanahan the last couple of years, I have not, when watching the Niners in general, I have not watched our offense and gone, man, you know what? This team is a wide receiver away from contending. It'd be useful for sure. And I think they should draft one pretty early in the draft. Absolutely. But when you watch their defense over the last two years, it's like, man, this defense is five or six players away from contending. They need so many players on defense. I think we've talked about this before on the podcast where you have, I think, Fred Warner, DeForest Buckner, and Richard Sherman are probably locked in as starters. And then you have eight wide open spots. And that's not ideal for a team that wants to contend for playoffs in a Super Bowl. And if you can if you can pick a guy with the number two pick that you think is going to step in and be an impact player at day on day one at a position, the most important position on defense, you have to do that. You just you have to. I know wide receivers are fun and exciting and they score fantasy points and they're they're fun to to do stuff with in Madden, but that's just not a realistic team construction to go, Hey, we're going to, we're going to put defense on the back burner to make sure that we have a top end wide receiver. That's just not, that's not how it works. And that's not, that's not how the 49ers are going to operate. I don't think. Right. And I, I agree with all that. And and part of the conversation too, I think we have to factor in is, is what the 49ers would look like at receiver if they went with Bosa uh, and then address a position maybe later in the draft. We've talked a lot about the 36 overall pick early in round two, um, guys like AJ Brown or Hakeem Butler or Debo Samuel, or, you know, I mean, there, there are some guys, I think, you know, just a feeling I have, and, and this is just sort of based on nothing, but I guess intuition or whatever, but like, I feel like Kyle Shanahan's kind of due to draft another really good receiver, maybe outside the first round. Uh, we'll see about Dante Pettis. I think he showed plenty of promise, but like, you know, AJ Brown to me, I mean, AJ Brown's really damn good, dude. AJ Brown could be really good. Like someone told me, uh, I think actually I'm going to credit Barrows with this. Barrows told me this. Uh, somebody told him that the perfect receiver, somebody with the 49ers told him the perfect 
uh, Z receiver, so it's sort of that Pierre Garçon role that's that's vacated now, would be someone like Juju Juju Smith Schuster, mm-hmm. right? The Steelers, a really good receiver. He was a second round pick, right? Yep. Um, Brown sort of reminds me a lot of Juju Smith Schuster. He's Lance uh, Lance Zerline at at uh, not Z- uh, Zerline. Is that how do you pronounce it? Zerline. Zerline. Yep. 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 Uh, at at NFL.com, that's his comp for AJ Brown is is Juju Smith Schuster. So okay, so let's just I mean, and this is a big if, right? We it's it's really tough to say that a, a receiver taken in the second round is suddenly going to become one of the most productive receivers in football just because they have similar skills at this point. But like, if the scenario is Bosa and Brown, and he turns into a perennial thousand yard guy, I would take that. I would take that in a heartbeat over over getting Beckham just because of the financial aspect of it, mm-hmm. because Brown is going to be so much cheaper. Um, and we don't know that there's going to be the off the field stuff, the spotlight, the distraction type stuff, the locker room stuff with Brown that there might be with Beckham. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe the 49ers miss on a receiver. I think I mean, the chances are probably better that they miss than they hit and find a star. Sure. Right. I mean, that's that's, that's, that's kind of obvious. Course, but, yeah. But Shanahan has proven to be pretty good at evaluating receivers. And I think given the importance of finding a receiver in this draft, if they do not trade for Beckham, um, I think they're going to exhaust everything they have, turn over every stone and find the perfect guy because there are going to be a lot of guys in that second or third round mix who I think could turn into starters. And we're going to talk about all these guys plenty leading up to the draft. Um, but I, I just think overall, like if they're able to get a starting receiver in the second round to pair with Pettis and Marquise Goodwin, um, and maybe they find somebody in free agency who they think they could develop rather than, you know, overpay like a marquee name. I, I would rather do that with Nick Bosa in tow than, than trade away the shot to get Nick Bosa, even though Burns and, and Sweat might end up being really good players. I'm just of the opinion that Bosa is really the has far and away the the highest likelihood of any of these edge guys to be a defensive player of the year candidate down the road and i think those are the kind of players you need if you really want to be a real contender not just uh some flash in the pan team like we've seen year after year you have to have elite players on defense and the 49ers should know this better than anybody right like those jim harbaugh teams contended because of all the dudes they had on defense. Justin Smith was a dude. Alden Smith was a dude. Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, both dudes. Like, you need dudes. And dudes are... It's uh, it's my my own personal analytic is how many dudes you have. Uh, and I think the 49ers right now, they have one dude, and it's DeForest Buckner. Uh, and Sherman used to be a dude. I, he's not in his prime anymore, obviously. He's still a good player. But... Uh, you need more dudes, and uh, that's my analytical approach to building the 49ers defense. Add dudes. I like that. Man. What do you think? I really like that. Uh, going back to Just going dudes. back to AJ Brown real quick, if I can, if yeah. I can do that. His sophomore season was more productive than DK Metcalf's entire career, which I thought was wild. That's uh, 21 games versus 11. But but AJ Brown, in his last two years. At, at Ole Miss went for 160 catches for 2,572 yards and 17 touchdowns. Like he's, yeah, he's really, really good. Excellent. I'm a big fan. He's yeah. 226 pounds, uh, 4.4940. Definitely fast enough. Did a lot of stuff in the slot. 
which indicates that he probably is a really good route runner and would be a good fit for a Kyle Shanahan offense. Um, the fact that he could line up outside or inside obviously lends him to being a good fit. Probably not the the best downfield threat, but a guy who's really good after the catch. And I think you mentioned it like he just runs angry, which is what everyone said about Pierre Garcon. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think A.J. Brown, somebody like that, uh, you know, the 49ers could find a receiver there, which would be ultimately be a better situation. But I I mean, there are a lot of people who would love the idea of Odo Beckham Jr. playing for the, for the 49ers. And I don't blame them. I, I don't think yeah. it would be a bad decision to right. make. But if I'm playing armchair GM I, and Nick Bosa is available, then I would uh, then I would take Bosa and then figure out how to build the receiving core after that. But there's also a scenario where Bosa's off the board. He goes first overall. Then you trade back. And then maybe the best avenue to, towards building a winner includes getting Odell Beckham Jr. And, and trading down for somebody like Burns or Sweat. That, I think, would be defensible, uh, you know, having Bosa be off the board. But if Bosa's there, I'm taking him. Yeah, same. I'm right there with you. All right. Anything else we need to say about that? I don't think so, man. You think we hit it? I think we got all. I think we checked all the boxes. We got everything. All right. We're at 52 minutes. I think that's a good time to wrap it up. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to Candlestick Chronicles. We're gonna have a lot more in the draft going forward now that the combine is officially in the rear view. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review to Candlestick Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts. We are on the Blue Wire Network. And we will talk to you guys soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.